Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Tuesday. Hope everyone is having a wonderful week so far. This episode is brought to you by our very dear friends at Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers offers you better than organic chicken and craft beef. They ship it right to your front door. Had some fillets last night. It's amazing. Check them out, goodranchers.com slash Allie. All right, today we are talking to Andrew Clavin. He is the host of The Andrew Clavin Show at The Daily Wire, and he is a prolific author. He is such an interesting, insightful thinker, and he is going to give us his commentary, his analysis about quite a few things that are going on. One thing that we are going to talk about is that the Justice Department under Joe Biden just announced that they are going to start a launch a domestic terrorism uh, department in the Justice Department. And the reason why this is um, uh, a little concerning is because this is the same Justice Department that basically agreed with this idea that parents who complain at school board meetings are domestic terrorists. And of course, they are doing this in light of January 6th that we um the day that we have heard from people like Kamala Harris is the day that will live in infamy right along with Pearl Harbor and 9/11. Wow, we are going to get Andrew Clavin's insight on all of that um and then we're going to talk about several other things that are going on. You're really really going to enjoy this conversation. So, without further ado, here is our friend Andrew Clavin. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, first, I want to get your reaction to a headline that I just saw on Twitter. It's an AP headline that says that the Justice Department is creating a unit focused on domestic terrorism. This is seemingly something that they're um, that they're doing to commemorate the anniversary of January 6th, the worst day in American history, at least since 9-11, if not worse than that day. Um, tell me your reaction to this, maybe your reaction to also some of the uh, headlines surrounding January 6th this year and where you think this is headed. Well, I, I mean, in one sense, it would be hilarious if it weren't frightening. In another right. sense, it would frightening if it weren't hilarious. Uh, you know, January 6th, I said from the beginning, I think it was a bad thing. I think Trump handled it badly. Uh, and I, I'm not making any excuses for him. He should have gotten off his butt and got out there and stopped it uh, right away. You don't overturn an election without proof that there is that the election has been stolen. However, however, the people who incited the George Floyd riots, George Floyd, a career criminal who probably died of a fentanyl overdose, whether or not the policing in that case was good or, or bad, it was bad. But still, this to elevate this career criminal and make it seem as if that were an example of the uh, countrywide racism right. in police forces, which is nonsense, to incite riots, to stand by while those riots took place, to then go on the news and tell us that the riots were mostly peaceful. Those riots caused 20 times more damage, more violence, uh, and more lasting uh, um, damage to the society than January 6th, a bunch of clowns who got over their skis a little bit uh, in the middle of a protest. For them to talk about January 6th as if it were a unique example of political violence after having caused and covered up the political violence of the summer of BLM riots is obscene. And to use that to try and um, identify those of us who disagree with them, basically the, the entire Republican Party or those who show up at 
school board meetings in defense of their children's education to identify them as terrorists and to use the force of the law against them is really, really dangerous. I mean, I'm not the first person to understand that almost everything the left charges the right with is what they do. Uh, they, For four years, we heard about what an authoritarian Trump is. Uh, and now they've got the FBI investigating parents uh, who show up at school board meetings to protest bad teaching and basically people who think that the election was rigged, you know, which which, listen, the election may or may not have been stolen, but it was certainly rigged. I mean, it's rigged when you uh, knock the Hunter Biden news off all social media, when right. you ban discussing whether the election was rigged or not. Uh, so, you know, th this is really dangerous stuff. The only thing about it is I don't think it's going to sell. And that's the only reason I'm not really frightened by it. The American people remain a very uh, sensible and common sense people, despite what you see about the people on social media. Uh, even most Democrats, I'm talking about like 67% of Democrats, feel that the January 6th riot was a protest that got out of control. Uh, I think 85% of Republicans, I'm talking off the top of my head, but something like that, 85% of Republicans feel it was a protest that got out of control. I think that's accurate. Uh, and I think the attempt to turn all people who stand against their socialist plans into terrorists is obscene. There's so much in, in what you just said that I want to unpack. One thing that you said that we've talked about a lot is the projection that we often see from the left. Obviously, not the entirety of the left, but at least the activist left, the political left that we see on Twitter and in Congress calling Trump and everyone who supports Trump, in particular, white evangelical Christians. Of course, I check those those boxes. And when I see articles saying that January 6th is the terrorism of white evangelical Christians and the evangelical fascist Christian nationalist state is imminent, as they have been saying for the past 50 years in intelligentsia, by the way, um, I, I just have to I have to stop for a second and consider how it is possible for someone to live in a world where they think that is reality, when all of the threats of authoritarianism, at least right now, are coming from the left, when all of the institutions in the United States and maybe globally are dominated by left-wing ideology, when you see the countries that look more like police states right now because of uh, you know, COVID restrictions, places like Canada and Australia that are limiting things like free speech, the freedom to work and provide for your family, freedom of uh, freedom of worship. These are not right wing conservative nations and governments that are limiting these things or conservative institutions and businesses that are limiting freedom of expression. These are all left wing institutions. The right are not the people trying to limit someone's freedom to provide for their family based on their medical decisions. That is a decidedly uh, left wing action that is currently being taken. The authoritarian call is coming from inside the house when it comes to the left. Yes, yes, I, I agree with you. There were a bunch of fools that did a lot of foolish and in some cases violent things on January 6th. I feel no affiliation or need to justify those people. But when we're talking about institutional power and the actual ability to be able to um, enact any kind of tyranny, you are looking at an exclusively left-wing authority um, that allows that allows the institutions and the people in power to be able 
to limit people's freedoms, don't you think? Don't you think that this is all just exclusively projection from the left who's complaining about Christian nationalism, fascism, tyranny coming from the right? It's a trick you can pull when you own the media, which essentially they do. If you get 100 people together who espouse a philosophy, 10 of those people are going to be extremists. Where are our extremists? Our extremists are on the comment sections of our websites. They're on Twitter making a lot of noise. You know, they they show up whenever they call for a meeting of some, you know, white supremacist, uh, hyper right wing clowns, 10 people show up. I mean, they. And even they can't even gather a quorum uh, to get a, a good uh, you know hate rally going. However, where are the left's extremists? They're in Congress right now. They're in the White House, oddly enough, because Biden is just a make believe uh, leftist. But he, that's still he's doing that. They they are in the academy. They're on television. They're in uh, the businesses. They're running businesses. The businesses have become woke. Our corporations have become woke. They're knocking people off the biggest platforms in the world: Twitter. Facebook, Google is woke. So that's where their radicals are. And our radicals are basically expelled from the center of the movement. So what they do is they use their cameras to focus on those few radicals that we have that most of us don't even like or want to be part of. Uh, and, and then they sort of say to us, well, we're not radicals. The radicals are over there. And it's, it is insane because, you know, when you have a, a group that calls itself the resistance, that agrees with universities that agrees with businesses, you know, that agrees with uh, Hollywood. What are they resisting? They're resisting the people. And that is the real problem that we have is the notion that the individual man and woman has a right to his own life, to his own thoughts, to his own ideas, to his own worship. That's what we're defending. And you know what? The funny thing about that is that is the only radical idea in political history. There's only one new idea in political history, and that's the idea that the the individual uh, has a right to his own life. That has never existed before. It developed over long years of warfare and bloodshed and stupidity stupidity and bigotry out of that foment uh, of of European madness came this incredibly great idea. That's the idea they're at war with. And all of their um, panic, their climate panic, their race panic, uh, all of that panic is just directed toward getting rid of that radical idea, the idea that Mm. each person goes his own way. And the thing is, as Edmund Burke pointed out, when you allow people to be free, some bad things are going to happen. And he said it's worth it to have those bad things happen and keep the freedom than it is to have a perfect state dominated from on high. And that's, that is how, that is what they argue against because you're going to get some clown who goes on YouTube and says ugly things uh, in the name of conservatism. Because you're going to get that, all conservatives should now be tarred with the same brush. Whereas on their side, they will not let you say what you're not supposed to say. And yet, Ali, where is the racism coming from? I mean, I'm like you. I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. There is no room for racism in my philosophy. There is no room for racism in love your neighbor. There is no room for, for racism in man and woman was created in God's image. That erases all possibility uh, of, of uh, uh, exceeding to racism. But where is the racism? Who talks about whiteness? Who talks about, you know, systemic racism that means we have to segregate black people out of colleges and have them have graduation ceremonies all to themselves? Who talks about that stuff. It's all on the left, all of it. And and I think it, it they have befouled themselves and they've befouled the country. And now the question is, can we marshal a mainstream version of our ideology that 
will recall the American people to themselves and to their founding documents and to their founding principles, because it all comes down to politics in the end. It's can we win uh, in a fair contest? And I, I think we're going to find out in a couple of months. Okay, got to take a quick break to tell you about our first sponsor for the day. This is another new sponsor called Masterworks. So the Wall Street Journal recently reported that art owned by the ultra wealthy has likely appreciated in value even more than stock investments. In fact, fun fact, a Picasso painting recently sold for over $100 million, which is a 1400% increase from its original price at auction. Now, why am I telling you this? Because that is where Masterworks comes in. This is an alternative investment platform that has made investing in multi-million dollar art easy and affordable for everyday investors. They normally have a wait list to get in, but my audience, the relatable audience, has priority access. So just log on to masterworks.art slash That's Masterworks dot A-R-T slash A-L-L-I-E to skip the wait list. That's masterworks.art uh, slash alley to check them out. Uh, see important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer, masterworks.art slash alley. There are a lot of people, and this is what I kind of worry about because we've been talking, we as in conservatives have been talking about how uh, Democrats are hurting their chances for 2022 with all of the panic that you just described. Most people don't even buy into a lot of the panic, even a progressive who cares about the climate and who thinks white supremacy is some big threat in the United States. I really don't think they're buying a lot of what the Democrats in power are trying to sell with the whole our democracy is on the brink. And it's because of these uh, conservatives that really have no institutional power. I just don't think think most people feel that, which is why, in my opinion, they're trying to push this radical voting legislation to take a lot of power away from the states um, so that they can ensure um, that they win elections. A lot of conservatives, though, are saying because they just didn't have faith in the last election that it doesn't matter, that the midterms don't matter, that what's the point of voting? What's the point of elections when you know things are going to be rigged? You mentioned the difference between rigged and stolen. And I think that I think that's a very important distinction. There was a big Time Magazine article basically saying that the election was rigged. And what is meant by that is that they were all of these um, uh, people organizations who are very influential, who controlled the flow of information to ensure that there was a very low probability of Trump winning. That is an accepted, acknowledged fact. That's not a conspiracy theory. So whether or not a conservative thinks that it was rigged or whether you know they think it was stolen, there's a lot of people that don't have trust in the election process. So I guess my question is for you, like, what would be your message to conservatives who they have the same hope that you do, that we um, can convince people of the winning message of individualism and go back to, you know, the vision of the founders and all of that stuff. Um, but they mistrust our our process in general, and they think that it is hopeless to try to get involved, to try to even win elections, and they just kind of want to sit on their hands, as a lot of people in Georgia did with the Senate elections last year. Um but what's I guess what's your message to them? Should they have any hope? Should they still try to get involved if they think it's all just going to be rigged from here on out? 
Absolutely. I'm in Virginia and we just took back the state uh, because a guy ran a campaign geared toward the state without dissing uh, the the Trump people, but also including other people uh, from who might be more toward the center. The, the big question that the right has to ask itself, and it really does have to ask itself this, and it has to ask it in public and it has to ask it of its loudest, uh, most belligerent members. Do we believe the American experiment still exists? I very strongly do. I very strongly believe that the American systems are are, are strong. Uh, they're vital. They can still work. If that's true, then we have to acknowledge certain things about the American system. The American system involves talking to the other side. It involves compromise. It involves argumentation. It involves making arguments. It does not involve charging into you know the Capitol and and shouting at people. It involves bringing proof before uh, courts. It believe it. Uh, involves in obeying the law uh, and changing the law uh, by by legal means. That is the American system. That is the system we were given. That is the Constitution. The the problem with the left is they keep talking about the Constitution, but every time they lose, they want to change it. So you know they they want to lose uh, pack the Supreme Court when they lose the majority. They want to uh, censor free speech when they lose the argument. Uh, they they just want to you know they want to get rid of the electoral college when they lose mm-hmm. an election, but but what I what I am saying what I think we should be saying is no this system this system has worked for a long time longer than any constitutional republic in history, uh, and there's no reason it can't continue if we basically uh, subscribe to what it is. What we can't have is we can't have a battle where one side is using a machine gun and the other side is you know boxing to the Marcus of Queensbury rules. That's why I was not. Uh, that's why I voted for Trump twice. I, I thought he was a loudmouth, but I thought, yes, we have to have some. We have to have a bull who goes into the china shop and breaks the piety, so we can fight back against these people because they will do anything to win. You know, the the, the thing that really turned a corner for me was the uh, Me Too movement, uh, and especially as it a- applied to the Supreme to Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh was accused by a woman who could not even prove that she had ever met Brett Kavanaugh, that he, that he had done something untoward in his teenage years. Mm-hmm. And all of us, all of us have done things that are untoward in our teenage years. It should not basically keep you off the Supreme Court. I'm sorry. It just shouldn't. I think what, what he was accused of, if they could have proved it, would have been bad. But I still don't think it should have kept him off the Supreme Court. Joe Biden was accused of throwing a woman up against the wall in his adulthood and penetrating her with his fingers. Now, when Brett Kav- when the charges were made against Brett Kavanaugh, it was a story that went on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Women on the left were writing editorials that essentially said, well, I was molested, so therefore Brett Kavanaugh is guilty. I mean, insane stuff, right. but it was on in big columns on the New York and Times. And it worked on people. That kind of that kind of emotional argumentation, especially for women, can make you feel like, well, if I don't oppose this nomination, then I am basically condoning the abuse that happened to another woman. It's crazy. So uh, Joe Biden is accused of a much worse crime by somebody who definitely knew him and who reported the crime at the time. 20 days of silence after which the New York Times runs a single column inside page on Easter Sunday saying, nah, there's nothing to this. And when Dean Bacay was asked about it, the editor of the New York Times, he said, well, Kavanaugh was up for a, an important position on the Supreme Court. Joe Biden was only running for president. So we didn't we didn't cover that story. So it was all a lie. It was all a lie. The racism, the systemic racism, all a lie. It's, it's just a lie. And so we have to stop fighting as if 
they have anything to say as if, you know, their accusations have to be answered. <laughs> Ted Cruz learned this the other day on January 6th. Mm-hmm. Where he, and I love Ted Cruz. I think Ted Cruz has been a fighter for freedom. I think he's a legitimately good senator. But when you come out and say, well, it was a terrorist attack. No, it wasn't a terrorist attack. And we don't have to give them anything. Uh, they are liars. Uh, they're manipulators. They want nothing but power. So we do have to fight back um, at a very powerful level. But but we have to fight back w- with faith in the American system. Yeah. In, in Virginia, we won an election uh, that was that basically we stole. We took a blue state away from them. I mean, we didn't steal it. We elected a blue state yeah. away from them. Uh, and we can do that again in a lot of other states. There's no reason to think we can't. We have to stop this steal from within the federal government as they try to seize control over our election laws. But I don't think they're going to get away with it. And and I think we should definitely have faith in the system and show up. If you're just a big mouth on Twitter, pounding your fist into your palm, but you don't show up to vote, you're nothing. You're yeah. nothing. You're not part of the system at all. Yeah. And, and you know what? Maybe maybe there is a reason for some people in some places to not have faith in their election process. Maybe there are some corrupt places, like you said, the possibility is there, but you are guaranteeing a loss if you don't show up. Maybe you'll show up and you'll still lose. Maybe the system will be rigged, but you're definitely going to lose. We're definitely going to lose um, if you don't show up. One thing that I've noticed, you talk about not even giving an inch. And man, when you talked about how things changed for you during the Kavanaugh saga, me too, like, and no pun intended, me too um that is that is exactly when it happened to me that oh we're not on we're not playing by the same rules like this is not this is not a fair game this is not a fair debate and maybe it had been like that for a while and I just didn't really recognize it but it was during the Kavanaugh saga and I remember actually vividly being on an airplane and trying to constantly refresh my page to watch the testimonies between Ford and Kavanaugh and when I watched I watched her testimony it was emotional it might have been compelling but when I watched him and I realized what was happening it just I don't know what happened inside me I just said okay, this is this is different. This is worse. This is more wicked and more cruel than I thought it was. And it changed permanently how I thought about our political dialogue. You're absolutely right. We can't give in an inch. And when you talk about language, I really like Ted Cruz too, really respect him. But when he said this is um, you know, this was an act of terrorism. Well, then you have the Justice Department creating a unit focused on domestic terrorism. You're giving into their premises. I think it's the same thing when conservatives say, well, you know, it's absurd to say that a man can become a woman, but I am going to basically use the same language as the left when it comes to people who identify as transgender. It's only ever the right that is giving in to the language games, that is giving in to the rhetorical plays, that is compromising when it comes to that stuff. Um, it's never the left. The left is never giving a little bit, uh, even, you know, an inch to the right. And I think that is how we slowly drift to the left because it's always the right that's compromising just a little bit. That's right. And, and that and that is a function of the media. I mean, the, the right is like an abused child. Uh, they come out and they speak the truth. And for three days, every media outlet calls them racist, bigoted, whatever, whatever it is they said, they twist it, they make it sound ugly. And so politicians who are cowards and who are in Washington, D.C. and surrounded by this media bubble, they think that that's what the people think. They think that they are hearing the response of the people and they get cowed and they start to make gestures toward uh, the left. And that you're absolutely right. That is how you get um, 
you know, what used to be called the greenhouse effect, because Linda Greenhouse, the liberal reporter of, on the Supreme Court, would have this effect where she would move the Supreme Court to the left over time because they were cowed by the media. You know, there's a wonderful book by C.S. Lewis called That Hideous Strength, which is a novel about a satanic takeover of England. And the Satanists have an organization and the organization is called NICE. And the left is very good at they have organizations called Black Lives Matter uh, that have cost thousands of black lives by yeah. debilitating the police. Uh, they have, you know, they have things that they call tolerance, which are based on shutting down uh, conversation. The, the right has got to learn this game. I'm talking about politics because you and I know it. A lot of people on the on the right in the media know it. But the, the le- right wing politicians have got to learn to play this game. Ron DeSantis knows how to do it. Yeah. The first thing you do is you attack the narrative. You do not say you do not respond. You know, I, I've heard guys actually ask, do black lives matter? The response to that is black lives matter is a Maoist terrorist organization that has cost more black lives than anybody else. I don't care what you call it. You know, it's such a stupid question. It's such a a violently corrupt question. We have to learn how to deal with that media and how to be bold because the people know this is the thing. You have to have faith that a majority of the people know they are being gamed. Nobody watches CNN unless he's running for a plane. You know, nobody watches that that network. Even on January 6th, Fox News outbeat the other uh, news outlets in its coverage of January 6th. So yeah. people are being game. People know they're being fooled. And conservative politicians, I'm speaking specifically about politicians because they're, you know, a cowardly lot by nature. They have got to learn that the media is not the people. And that there is now this new media, namely us, that can get around that those big that big media to get the word out. It can be done uh, and it will be done if people are bold and speak the truth. Again, Ron DeSantis really does it well. And I think a lot of people should pay attention to him. Trump Trump had the instinct and he had the guts and it, it was very impressive, but he never had was articulate enough and he was never civilized enough uh, to make it a kind of mainstream thing. But there are politicians coming up who can't. And I think this is particularly true when it comes to COVID, you talked about the right kind of being an abused child. They come out and they say the truth and then they're called not just bigots, but also conspiracy theorists. I mean, this has been true from the very beginning. It's hard for me to even think of a theory that was put forward by the right or um, not even just a theory, but an accusation, especially by people like uh, Rand Paul, who have talked about the origins of this virus, who have talked about some of the corruption going on in state governments and the hospital, when we're talking about the efficacy of the vaccine, all of these things that were uh, said over the past couple of years by conservatives or at least by heterodox people who were all castigated for saying it. Some of them were deplatformed. That means their livelihood was at least diminished by saying these things that are now coming out to if not true, they are viable theories. CNN, one headline that I saw the other day was, oh, yeah, like a woman's menstrual cycle could be affected by the shot. Just a few months ago, I was told that that is a wild conspiracy, that biologically, scientifically, that is just impossible when you look at the science of these vaccines. And now they're coming out and saying, well, yeah, that's a possibility, but don't worry about it. So it always shifts. That's what they do with every single narrative. And they'll never apologize. But what I'm seeing is a lot of conservatives, people just in general, self-censoring, not just when it comes to this, but when it comes to other things, 
because they don't want to be kicked off social media, which I do understand that. But they also don't want to be disliked. They don't want to be called a conspiracy theorist. They don't want to be lumped in with QAnon, especially when everyone on the right is kind of lumped into this domestic terrorist uh, you know, category, people who are concerned about their kids' curriculum, going to school board meetings, domestic terrorists. And so you see people on the right just kind of backing down. They don't want to get arrested. They don't want to get their kids taken away. They don't want to get deplatformed. What's your message to those people who find themselves self-censoring because of real fear of the threat of the government, um, you know, trying to infringe upon their rights because they've committed wrong think? You know, my message to those people is a very uncomfortable message. I have to tell you this. Um, this, this is a real, we're really in a fight for the country. And it's it's happening, hopefully, and hopefully will continue to happen, mostly peacefully. You know, mostly we're not shooting at each other, but we are doing things to one another that we should not do, silencing each other, uh, deplatforming, firing people, canceling people, and all this stuff. My message to people is that freedom requires courage, and it requires courage from you. It doesn't require courage from heroes, the other guy, you know, who might be in, on the front line somewhere. It requires courage from you every single day. And, and this is a, a sad thing because I, I grew up in America that didn't require so much courage. You know, you were kind of free and people yeah. left you alone, but that's gone. Uh, you know, I, I have been fighting for a long time over the culture. I've been telling people that we have to change the culture. And that means changing the movies uh, that we make and changing the novels people write and changing uh, the, the songs we sing and all this stuff. And it requires all these artists to come out and do things. But the culture is not just the arts, the culture is the way you live now and the things you say and the things that your children see you do and see you say and hear you say. And that means that you have to risk things. You have to risk getting uh, thrown off social media, you have to risk getting canceled. Sometimes you even have to risk your job. Now, that doesn't mean you should be stupid. That doesn't mean you should charge into the can, you know, stick your head in the cannon's mouth and wait for them to blow it off. It simply means that when your company comes in and tells you uh, that your whiteness is a problem, you need to organize with the other people in your company yeah. and come in and say, you know what? No, it's not. My my white skin is no more a problem than my friend's black skin. And, and it, I want that out of the company. You've got to get that out of the company. It is not acceptable. It is not acceptable to judge people by the color of their skin, no matter what that color is. And so... You know, this is this is the moment that we were chosen to fight. You know, nobody you know, it's like they say they uh, like Gandalf tells you in the Lord of the Rings, nobody wants to be chosen for this moment. But this is the moment that we were chosen to fight. We we're not being asked. Uh, we're not being asked to load our flintlocks and charge out into the battlefield. And that kind of rhetoric kind of hides the fact that what we are being asked to do is is very difficult. It is to live our ordinary lives with faith, courage and out loud. To, yeah. to say, to say, you know, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't actually think that you can live a life without God and, and actually know the truth about things. I don't actually think uh, that you can uh, tell other people what to think and silence other people. I think you're wrong to do that. It doesn't yeah. matter but who, how right you think you are, how righteous you think you are. Uh, if we don't start doing that, and, and especially on this transgender stuff, which is an absolute atrocity against women, this idea that women uh, should essentially be erased. Uh, from social life, actual women should be erased from social life because of a few pretenders, uh, a few guys who have mental problems with their gender uh, should be allowed to erase half the human race uh, from their existence, to take away their athletic achievements, to take away their academic achievements, to take away uh, their unique experience of the world uh, through uh, physical the physical creation of future generations. Uh, that's that's an obscenity. 
And when people say it and they threaten to knock you off or call you phobic or call you hateful, you've got to just stand up and do it because we cannot let our women. It's just it's a country that doesn't respect its women is a country that has lost its way entirely. And if, if we who are the basically the front lines of the West don't say, no, our women are uniquely women and have unique rights as women and unique responsibilities as women. If we can't say that and say, listen, if you have a problem with your gender, that's fine. I don't want to hurt you. But I'm not going to accept that a man can put on a dress and then take away a woman's athletic ability or take away her place in a school or take away her right to be treated like a lady. It's just it's just an obscenity. And these are the kinds of things that it takes courage to say. But we've got to say them loud and proud and a lot. All right. Another break to tell you guys about our friends at Raycon. So if you have been walking around like a fool with wires hanging out of your ears, you need wireless earbuds. It will make your life so much easier to just be able to leave your phone on the counter and walk around and, you know, do what you need to do uh, without having to put the phone in your pocket. I mean, it's a real game changer. And Raycon has super affordable earbuds that also work really well. Their everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. They offer eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. Raycon's Everyday Earbuds have over 48,000 five-star reviews. That is a lot. Right now, relatable listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash Allie. That's B-U-Y. Raycon.com slash Allie. You say 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash Allie. You can tell a lot about a country, about how they treat um women and also children. That's something that I've learned over the past couple of years, how much our society seems to really detest children. Obviously, no- go no. ahead. Go ahead. No, I've noticed that too. I've noticed that yeah. for a long time. You know, yeah. you know, the saying, oh, for the children, for the children, they don't give a rat's patoot about children. And it's, uh, and, and this, the things that they're doing in our schools, uh, teaching them to hate themselves for the color of their skin, and then having newsmen go on the air and say, no, 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 that's just teaching history. I'm 112 years old. I was taught history of slavery when I was a little kid. I was taught bad. I was taught that we did it. And I was was taught that it was a stain on our country. There's no problem teaching the true history of America in this country. But teaching people that they are somehow essentially wrong because of their color of their skin, that's a sin. Yeah. You know, as you're saying that, I'm realizing that this is actually a constant tactic by a lot of people who call themselves progressives, kind of collapsing two things so that you accept the bad with the good. So teaching history, you collapse that with critical race theory. Supporting women, you collapse that with the support for abortion. Being inclusive, you collapse that with accepting the idea that a man can become a woman. Um, Obviously, we knew that, but just thinking about how they kind of, they put the bad under under the good so that you have to accept the whole thing. It's kind of like what you do with toddlers is you try to hide the vegetables and like the mac and cheese. And so they'll take the whole thing. Well, that's kind of what progressives do for the culture. They hide the bad under these really good, completely innocuous terms like Black Lives Matter. I guess it's just a form of propaganda that has always existed. And we have to be more discerning. But 
like you said, we have to be able to call it what it is. Maybe it doesn't seem like a big thing to say, hey, a man can't become a woman or hey, life inside the womb matters or hey, you know, whatever controversial opinion that it is, but shifting that Overton window back over saying what people on the left and in the mainstream are saying is forbidden to say it matters. It it matters. That is actually what can change the culture. And I agree with you, the absurdity that we see from people, you know, storming the Capitol and things like that. That's not going to be what changes things. It's just not. I still have faith that words, that ideas, that courage, that clarity can change people's minds and therefore change the culture. I just still have faith in that. Um, last thing, because you are changing the culture. You've been a culture warrior for a long time. You talked about replacing bad ideas with good ideas by creating good creative content. That's something that you do very well. And you recently uh, wrote another book doing just that. Can you tell us about that book? And then it sounds like you've got another book coming down the pipeline too. Yeah, no, it's, you're very kind to mention it. I, I wrote this Christmas mystery uh, when Christmas comes. Uh, and it, it's still, uh, listen, it has gotten such great responses. I think it's got close to 2000. I haven't looked recently, but close to 2000 five-star reviews on Amazon. That's awesome. Uh, and yeah, and it's, it, 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 even though Christmas has passed, it is a very, very good story. And, and listen, I, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I have loved being a crime writer. I've been a crime writer most of my life. I've written movies, I've written books, uh, but this is a new thing. And you know, the sequel is already in the works. And um, and a third book has just been contracted. So it's the beginning of a, a series. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited. I mean, st- stuff has been happening in my life that it really has been gratifying. I've got a book about um, about Christianity and poetry uh, coming out uh, in April called The awesome. Truth and Beauty. So I've got a lot of stuff going on. I, I do feel I got to tell you, Ali, I do feel that I am waging this war a little bit single handedly. It's not like there's no one else, but it's just that. I, I just feel that a lot of people don't under, haven't paid enough attention to the culture uh, to create culture because great culture is not going to be propaganda. It is not going to be like rah rah for the Republicans or rah rah for conservatism. It is simply going to be the story of what human beings are really like. Uh, you know, conservative culture doesn't always look like conservative life. It's sometimes more violent, more sexy, uh, more uh, it deals more with dysfunction. A conservative life is usually pretty functional uh, and nonviolent and, uh, and, and usually kind of faithful in its sexuality. But stories are full of all kinds of crazy stuff. And that's how you learn about uh, human nature. And so I just try to write books that are uh, honest. Yeah. Great stories that are honest. And, and that uh, is a, now become a radical act. You are definitely one of the few people that's creating culture to replace bad culture. But I will tell you something that my dad always says, because sometimes I think, you know, all of us have the tendency to feel like we're alone or are we doing enough? There are so many things that we want to respond to and do and fix and change. My dad always reminds me that God can use very small things or small efforts to do what he wants to do. We are finite, but he is infinite. So he always reminds me, he just has fishes and loaves, fishes and loaves. And so God can take what seems very small and he can do whatever he will with it. And that's the comfort that I have. So even if it seems like you are fighting this battle single-handedly, God maximizes and he multiplies. And I have faith that he will continue to do that with the work that you do. So thank you so much. Where can everyone um, buy your books? 
uh, well, their books are available wherever books are sold. Amazon, I always, you know, I know people have some problems with Amazon, but it's always nice to see the numbers go up on Amazon yeah. because that's where most books are sold. So it is yeah. available there, available at Barnes & Noble and just about anywhere that books are sold. Great. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for taking the time to come on. Thank you very much. It's always good to see you. Thank you. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I am sure you did. As I told you, he's a very insightful person which, with a lot of uh, interesting analysis. Okay. Last sponsor for the day before we end the episode, and that is Birch Gold. As you guys know, if you have been paying attention at all, inflation is at a 40-year high. It's here to stay, unfortunately, because uh, here's the government's dirty little secret. They want it. If you think about this right now, inflation rates are higher than the interest on treasury bonds. So with every day that passes, the government owes less on its mountain of debt. Imagine if your mortgage had a negative interest rate. Would you be in a hurry to pay it off? Exactly. So your pain is the government's gain. And man, is that true in so many ways. So that means that you need to protect your savings right now. You hedge against inflation with gold from Birch Gold because the government is sabotaging the value of the U.S. dollar. Birch Gold is the only company that we recommend for precious metals. They will help you convert an eligible IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by real gold. That will give you peace of mind. They've got an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. You can trust Birch Gold to help you protect your savings. Text Ally to the number 989-898 now to get a no-cost, no-obligation info kit. This comprehensive 20-page guide reveals how gold and silver can protect your savings and how you can buy them under the umbrella of a tax-sheltered account. So if you're not sure, you can get there a guide and you can learn more about it. Just text Ally to 989-898. That's Ally to 989-898. Okay, guys, uh, we will be back here tomorrow. And let me know what you guys are interested in learning more about. If we, um, again, I'm recording this in the morning. Maybe by the time this comes out, the Supreme Court will have a decision on the OSHA mandate. If so, we will talk about that tomorrow. But there's lots of other things that we could possibly talk about. So please let me know what you are just hankering to hear me comment on and discuss. Um, until then, have a wonderful evening and day. See you guys back here tomorrow. <laughs>